0: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: One can't help but be positive. has been very disappointed with the way this season has unfolded and people that are close to him relayed to me that that disappointment has been so extreme to the point that he has strongly considered moving on from Belichick. But these people also tell me, Greeny, that no decision has been made at this point and that's why this final meeting will be so important. Limbo. The in-between.
3: The Nethermead. The Phantom Zone. This is where we find ourselves the day before the final game of what should be basically a meaningless, benign, innocuous game between a 6-10 and and 4-12 and set of squads, division rivals, longtime nemesis. can't really call them arch rivals because uh, on one side of the arch you have a team that wins all the time and on the other side of the arch you have a team that loses all the time. And yet somehow, some way, there is this bizarre feeling, a foreboding feeling of significance, of history, of relief, and possibly dread entering Game 17, Week 18 of the 2023 season, which technically takes place in 2024, between the New York Jets, a team Bill Belichick once was H.C. of for but an entire day. And the NEP, New England Patriots, who he migrated to 23 days after resigning as HC of the NYJ and has stewarded for 24 seasons, most of which have been inordinately successful. The last few, not so much, which is what leaves us at this massive potential crossroads. And oh, but the backdrop, Andy Hart, the backdrop. Of a snowstorm coming. When I say there's a storm coming, everyone, people can say, yeah, no, literally, I see it outside, guy. Oh, no, there could be a different storm coming altogether. It is poetic. Could it potentially be just? All I know is no matter what happens, everyone's not going to be happy. And that's where I find the start of today's program. It is a two-hour edition, a Saturday brunch time edition. Of Fitzy and Hart, the Six Rings guys, your Patriots pals, here on Boston Sports Original 93.7 FM, WEI and weei.com You can call in just in case you're that last person in New England who hasn't made their feelings clear about Bill Belichick and the future of the New England Patriots on Sports Radio by just simply dialing up 617-779-793.7. You know what? If you're in line to pack at the Market Basket or at the Shaw's, if you're actually in the store or in line getting your bread, and your eggs and your milk because apparently everyone likes making soufflés when there's a nor'easter in the area. Go ahead and give us a call. We are here for you right up until 2 p.m. Now, perhaps you just want to text and weigh in uh, digitally with your feelings. Go ahead and do that. Joe Braverman, producer extraordinaire, will be monitoring your digital thoughts at 37937 and, of course, the socials at w e e i at Six Rings Pod, and we are at Jumbo Heart and at Fitzy GFY. It's the Foxborough fanboy and the Grin Iron Grinch. Andy, I got to tell you, like, no matter what happens tomorrow, let alone Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever said meeting extraordinaire, it almost sounds now like something out of The Godfather or maybe it'll be a casual cup of coffee, like between De Niro and Pacino and Heat. I don't know the way it's going to go. I think both of us believe it's going to go a certain way. But again, like I said just a few minutes ago, I can't imagine that whatever transpires this week, potentially the franchise shaking loose of their greatest head coach, Arguably, the greatest head coach in NFL history is going to leave, it's going to, no matter what happens this week, it's going to leave some people happy, some people relieved, and some people extremely dissatisfied.
0: And some of those people will change their minds in uh, weeks, months, and years when they look back on this. And that's, I'm interested to see how this all plays out. I I do, I think it's a foregone conclusion. I think Bill is already the former head coach of the New England Patriots. Um, I do. I, I just, The meeting, I'm not sure what exactly the meeting is going to entail, if it's an exit interview, if it's an exit strategy uh, plan, because I do think that is the most interesting part of this now is, do they come up with, and I just said this in the crossover with Ken and Curtis, um, can they come up with sort of a plan where, hey, this is what you want, this is what I want, here's a list of teams, would you go there if I could work a trade with them, if they become interested, that kind. or are you just going to retire if, one of these X number of teams don't step up to the plate. If you find like Tom Brady, there's less suitors than maybe you would normally expect. um, I think those conversations are really interesting because that will decide the future of the Patriots in terms of compensation, the future of Bill Belichick in terms of what he does next year, the year after, um, and maybe how this is viewed in the end. Yeah.
3: I, you know, for the longest time, First of all, I think a lot of people tried to ignore this entirely and just didn't want to face facts. Well, people were arguing it's Belichick's fault. It's not Belichick's fault. He's still the best coach. Who's going to be better than him? Probably no one on the immediate side of things. But some people believe that there actually will be better immediate coaches because he's lost his touch. It's Bel- Belichick, the general manager, that has damn Bill Belichick, the coach. Well, will just get a new personnel guy. But what if Belichick doesn't want to let a new personnel guy come in? He doesn't want to release power. Maybe it'll actually make it easier for him. And then, of course, this is all compounded by the Herald piece that we read, the excellent, insightful, well-sourced-out piece by Doug Kide and Andrew Callahan. And if you missed Andy's chat with Doug Kide from the Boston Herald, he, uh, alongside Andrew Callahan, putting together the inside story of the Patriots' fall to rock bottom in the Bill Belichick era, the piece that rattled the cages of Patriots Nation just a couple days ago. Head on over after our show today to the Six Rings pod Great chat between Doug and Andy this week, kind of putting together exactly how that piece came to be and what those guys did, the lengths that they went to to put it all together. And also just kind of like registering the seismic surprise and shock throughout a lot of people like there was this feeling, Andy, coming out of last year that there's no way the Patriots could fall any further that had to have been rock bottom. How embarrassing it was to go 8-9, and nine, just a couple of years removed from Tom Brady in a Super Bowl run. E-Gads, another losing season. You can't blame it on COVID. You can't blame it upon the immediate departure of Brady. So, obviously, we're bringing in a familiar face and Bill O'Brien. Uh, Patriots are supposedly have another excellent draft. The defense looks great. We should have playmakers that suit the skills of Mac Jones on offense. LFG, here we go. Back to the playoffs. And to have a chance to finish at best 5-12 and and 5-12, and and we'll get into this later as well, and the uh, emotional pretzel Patriots fans and Jets fans find themselves looking forward to tomorrow's game, to think that they could actually cut their win total from last year in half and be twice as dysfunctional in the process. I mean, if anything says, all right, Bill, it's time to go to me, it's the fact that they were as um, mishandled last year or as dysfunctional, if you want to say as they were and then to actually this is the follow up this feels like the season long version Andy of um let's say last year was the cowboys game right 38 to 3 this this season feels like the saints game like the immediate follow like this is what you guys did lose at home 34 to nothing like time for change
0: yeah i mean <clears throat> the record is not as surprising to me as necessarily the reported behind the scenes just Uh, distrust chaos whatever you want to call it Um, with bill o'brien clearly not trusting the assistant coaches that he inherited to do their jobs so he's micromanaging in meetings and meeting time and everything Um, certainly mac jones brokenness Mm -hmm. is a big part of this story his ongoing brokenness his failure to be fixed by bill o'brien is a big part of it but I think a lot of objective people said, and I remember saying this myself, they may be a better football team and lose more games because of the schedule and the situation and everything. Now you can argue whether they're a better football team or not; that is debatable. The way this offense has played, um, and people, people got over patriot patriotized about talent that so people convinced themselves Mike Gasicki was something he isn't. I still don't understand that one. And I'm talking about football people, not just fans, not just you people, Fitzy, but uh-huh. media members, a lot of media members, hook, line and sinker bought Mike Gasicki and he's going to be good and Juju's an upgrade and all these things that I just thought looked dumb. And then you get into the offensive line and the, the hobo fight, as you called it,
3: the, the hobo rumble.
0: There was a lot of writing on the wall as to why this team might suck. Um, And then you get into the quarterback situation, what he ended up being, the puddle of goo that is Mac Jones. But it is surprising because we spent a lot of time on it. I'm not going to distance ourselves from um, the over-optimism. We talked about Bill O'Brien bringing professionalism, experience, and competency and all those things And it didn't work, whether that's his fault or Bill's fault for wanting Matt Patricia and then trying to make his life hard because he didn't get his way with Matt Patricia staying. I don't know. Um, I also think, and and I said this to the boys earlier, I don't think a lot of coordinators necessarily get carte blanche. You do whatever you want with your coaching staff. That Mm -hmm. would surprise me. I need to do a little bit more research and ask around a little bit more about that. What Um, sort of autonomy coordinators are like, because there are some coaches
3: like i if i'm if I'm not mistaken back like let's say the twenty fifteen Broncos, I feel like John Fox was the coach, correct, yeah, yeah, okay, so I feel like he kind of just let Wade Phillips and all I mean granted there was so much talent on that defense you just basically had to open up the package point them in the right direction and and they took care of the rest, but um you know no batteries or assembly required, but I feel like Wade Phillips was basically just sort of like you just go do that you you go take the defense over and uh I'll just sort of try to shepherd the whole operation, uh, you know. I'll let Peyton run the offense, and then we'll just, you know, leave everything from there. I can't – I I think there was a feeling, though, in Pats Nation and amongst the, the super fans, the diehards, the media members, and more, a, as well as the NFL, that because of the mess that the offense was last year, that O'Brien would basically almost sort of be given carte blanche. Like, Bill, here, listen, you got a lot of other personnel issues to focus on. Uh, you want to improve the defense. you got all these new players to integrate into the – from the draft so let o'brien kind of take care of things and that there was a disconnect from jump street like if we can't communicate the the, the key to any relationship is communication and if you can't effectively communicate between ownership and coach who was also the director of personnel and his coordinators one of which happens to sort of be his son well, one of sort of which i mean he's definitely his son sort but, of his son <laughs> yeah well because i'm not Do you, know, you know something not a bill Polish? doesn't <laughs> The results you are in. Are you are, not not are the father, Billy. father. I am your father. No, we know that he is obviously his son, but like... Well, we don't, actually. Okay. We're, we're pretty I sure. mean,
0: I've seen no proof, other than he looks <laughs> like right. a mini him. <laughs> all right.
3: Tomorrow begins with a paternity test at 1230 on uh, midfield. <laughs> I'll be hosting
0: that on the, ju-
3: on the Jumbotron at the stadium. Uh, but you know what I mean? He's sort of the defensive coordinator, not in name, not entirely. We're not sure exactly what Mayo's role is and all. Like, it's... But, like, if you can't communicate well... Last year, there was obviously a number of issues. This, it should have seemed like an easy fix to at least maintain baseline from last year and then take some baby steps, if not a few large steps forward. But to regress this way and to the look at how, how many things could be different. Uh, the one score crowd. I saw a lot of that going around this week. Like, look what the Patriots record would be if you took all the one score games and flipped them. Sure. Great. And if my aunt had a blank, she'd be my uncle. Doesn't right. matter. That's I the whole that thing argument. about the end.
0: Freaking stuff loser arguments nuts. like that piss me off.
3: It's a, You're well, being a loser.
0: Doesn't, doesn't You're, a loser. You're a loser. You're a loser if you think that. Because you know what? Did you look at that list? Did you look at that list and, oh, flip the one card. Like, all the good teams actually stay good teams. It's the bad teams, some of them that flip. There was another, the Bears, I think, flip in there. Like, you win or you lose. Those games, we used to mock those games, and now we're now we're bringing those up as arguments. Oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. It just
3: it sounds it just like it. But no more excuse making, because think about how many times this Patriots team on its way to playoffs, AFC championships, Super Bowls and duck boat parades, how many times they won games that were one score games right. like wasn't that the hallmark of the team in the, yes. a, in the start, like Super if Bowl Adam 36, this
0: is like six kicks. You never exist as Patriots.
3: <laughs> exactly that's Jesus. sort of like well if your if your dad doesn't meet your mom in that bar that night and right. convince her to go home then next thing you know four years later there's no you bro so right. like I'm, a... it, that's just
0: that's how it goes it's it, just is ridiculous. it is what it is Live with the present live with the results on the field and make them better and that's what the next few days are about
3: A lot of mistakes were made along the way, and we, we didn't end up here by accident. This is not some capricious decision. This is not a whim. This is not an overreaction or an emotional decision being made. This has been building for a long time, if in fact it does turn out to be what we think it's going to be, and that would be an uncoupling of Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, the Belichick coaching tree and family from, or at least Bill Belichick, from the New England Patriots, who he has stewarded and shepherded for almost a quarter century now. It's surreal, but, you know, stop me before. Stop me if you've heard this before, but it is what it is. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. We obviously have a lot to unpack. Prepare for, predict, and beyond for tomorrow's game at 101 if you'll actually be able to see the game, depending on how heavy the snow is falling. Uh, Joe Braverman, do we have a... Uh, can we effort a latest forecast at some point during either trending or the, or the program as well? I keep getting... Conflicting reports that it's going to be an onslaught. Oh, we, ju- of the white we just stuff.
4: had the weatherman Curtis in. I should have grabbed info from him when oh, he
3: left. Okay, well, I, I, you know, an amateur weather. It's okay. We is got fine. Google. Okay, Google will just have to Google Siri, Alexa, whoever's playing along. The latest forecast. We'll give you all that and how that may affect conditions getting to the game, the game itself. Who you're rooting for? Are you actually rooting for your own team? Do you want to see Belichick win in his farewell? Uh, we know both sides. Andy, from our conversations this week on the podcast and beyond, are torn. Oh, what a scene it's going to be. 617 779 7937 is the number. I see all the calls. Nick, Dave, Ron lined up. We'll get to you guys in just a minute. But first, let's catch you up on everything else trending now with
4: Joe Braverman.
0: Now, here's what's trending on
2: WEEI.
4: But before we get any kind of weather report, I'll tell you about the Celtics, who easily took care of the Utah Jazz last night, 126-97. They moved to 17-0 at TD Garden. This is their best home start since the 1957-58 season. Sees never trailed in the game. They led by 30 at halftime. And once again, every starter scored in double figures. Jason Tatum led the way with 30 points and 9 rebounds. Chris Porzingis also contributed 19. Joe Mazzula, who was named Coach of the Month, doesn't want to take all the credit for winning that award, as he explained in his postgame.
1: I wish they would change it to Staff of the Month because I'm not doing it by myself. I'm not the one controlling the scouts. I'm not the one making the edits. I'm not the one uh, you know, doing the matchups during the game or coming up with lineup suggestions. So that's the entire staff. Um, and then if the, coach, the players don't let me coach them, then I'm not really a good coach. So like, I think it's just a testament to the environment that we're creating. Um, and so, yeah, it does mean something to me because it shows uh, what we're doing is paying off.
4: Celtics' next two games will be in Indiana taking on the Pacers. The first one will be taking place tonight with a tip-off set for 7 o'clock. Bruins are back in the ice tonight. They will host the Tampa Bay Lightning at TD Garden. That's also a set for 7 o'clock for a puck drop. Final injury report is out for the Patriots' season finale tomorrow against the Jets. The season is over for Trent Brown and Hunter Henry. They have both been ruled out. Brown is dealing with an illness, quote-unquote, and Hunter Henry continues to deal with his knee injury. Twelve other players are listed as questionable. Christian Barmore, Farrell Brown, Miles Bryant, Anthony Jennings, Jonathan Jones, Jalen Mills, Devontae Parker, Jabril Peppers, Matthew Slater, Jelani Tavai, Tyquan Thornton, and Sean Wade. On the other side for the Jets... Quarterback Zach Wilson was already ruled out earlier in the week with a concussion. That means Trevor Simeon will get the start for New York. Pats and Jets kick off from snowy Gillette Stadium, where it's reported a 1-3 to three inch chance for snow at Gillette Stadium will be tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon. Staying in the NFL, the week gets underway today with the Steelers looking to keep their playoff hopes alive against their rivals, the Ravens. And a playoff berth is on the line between the Texans and Colts. Later in the night, you can listen to Westwood One's coverage of both games right here on 93.7 WEI-FM with coverage starting at 4 p.m. following KJ and Lions. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's trending on WBEI and WBEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game
4: you have 47 new voicemails
1: download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollars per order additional terms apply
0: odyssey celebrates mother's day brought to you by t-mobile you can count on t-mobile to help you stay connected on america's largest 5g
2: network Bill, um with this being the last week of the season, I'm curious, you know, your outlook on when it's the final week of the season, whether it be in the regular season or in a Super Bowl, just what are those weeks like what are those weeks like for you?
1: Yeah, as I said this week is um you know about preparing for the Jets and then uh you know there are a few things that happen after this game that we have to Uh, you know take care of and so uh, that's you know it's really the foreseeable future
3: bill belichick yesterday at what could be his final pre-game press conference for the new england patriots but it was not an in-person presser it was actually done digitally it was a zoomer if i'm uh correct andy because as you could clearly hear in the coach's voice Sounds like someone was a little bit under the weather.
0: Oh, yeah. he He's sick. It was technically a WebEx. Not as so, famous as Zoom's, but the same yes. thing. Yes. All right. Okay. you got it. Sorry. It was a video
3: we teleconference.
0: It, and then we yeah. WebExed it. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it wasn't? A, was it a StreamYard? It was not a StreamYard. I would say StreamYard is a little bit bigger deal than WebEx. I'm not sure who uses WebEx.
3: I think WebEx is a very, uh, is a a frequently used in the corporate environment. Corporate,
0: yeah. Yes.
3: Corporate corporate. America, of course. Yes, indeed. I don't
0: fit in with corporate.
3: (laughs) That that doesn't jive with us. (laughs) That doesn't jive with us. The stream, you know, it's like uh, pool or the pond for you, uh, Carl. Yeah, uh, we got the StreamYard for the Six Rings guys. That'll be fine. It works. No, no, no. we got the You guys uh, guys go hang out in the StreamYard. That's fine. I was surprised, though, when I first heard that it was moved to a video teleconference I couldn't quite figure out why. And then when you hear him speak, he's got a little something. Do you think that little something is going to in any way, shape, or form get in the way of him being able to live up to and fulfill his duties tomorrow uh, on field? I mean, is that, is that where you want a 71-year-old man who obviously sounds like he's congested, whether it's uh, something bronchial, a head cold, whatever? Ah, oh, Belichick's tougher than that. Yeah, I mean, I mean out there, in the, it's going to be like 27 degrees, sideways wet snow whipping around the stadium. Sounds like a perfect environment for what
0: could be a farewell to the hero. Oh, you don't mean farewell like big picture farewell. I mean he's old. You're right. In a, mm-hmm. in the real world, if this were my dad, I would say you're not going to go stand outside at that football game for six hours, are you? And get wet. You know, and set this cold. one out, pops. And yeah, but this is you know his world. It's the football world. This is why I always bring up his age when we talk about keeping him in the timeline, and everybody gets hot and bothered. But he's old. And now he's sick. Now he was asked about it, and he said he'll be fine. He doesn't expect to have any issues uh, on Sunday, but he's definitely mm-hmm. sick. He coughed uh, a bunch of times, cleared his throat. He definitely is. It, w- it was not an act. It was not a. Oh, I don't want to meet relate. you guys in person. The last time. Blah, blah blah. No, it was. He's sick. He's legitimately sick. He'll still be sick tomorrow, I'm sure. Uh, and you're right. It's probably not ideal for his health, but he'll be out there, and I think he'll give it his old college best.
3: Yeah, his old the old Wesleyan best, right? Yeah, no, I I full well expect that Belichick will be out there on the sidelines tomorrow. I mean, that would be awful if by some strange chance he were to take ill and would not be able to actually fulfill his duties and couldn't be out there on the sidelines tomorrow at the stadium in a snowstorm. I mean, just you know what that would mean, right? (laughs) What's that?
0: Well, I mean, I believe the assistant head coach of the New England Patriots goes by the name of Joe Judge. He would be running the show tomorrow. Oh, you're, oh my God. You know what that means, baby. We're picking number two overall. We're picking number two because he stinks. (laughs) 617
3: 779 7937 is a telephone number if you'd like to weigh in with your thoughts on the season, the future of Bill Belichick, how you think things are going to shake out tomorrow and beyond. Andy, one of the most fascinating things now, we, we heard this on the podcast this week on the Six Rings podcast when we spoke to our pal Will Parkinson from Turn On the Jets. Uh, We heard this uh, from a number of fans on the socials as well. I've heard it from callers to the station. I even tuned into our sister station, WFAN, just to get a feel for how people calling in on the regular to that station uh, felt about the game tomorrow. And it's funny because the hosts on that station yesterday were all rooting for the Jets. Draft pick be damned because they want to see Belichick. They're so angry at Belichick. They're so butthurt. They're so scarred by the decades of dominance by the New England Patriots over the New York Jets that they don't want to see Belichick exit the stadium a winner because they all believe as well that this is the end for Bill Belichick as head coach of the Patriots. So they want to see him go out a loser. They don't want to see him smirking. They don't want to see him waving to the crowd happily. They want to see one final grumpy, short-worded, terse press conference, and then that's it. However, then... And this is what makes this such fascinating theater. Again, no six. I I imagine this no game that takes place to end a season between a four and 12 and a six and 10 team will ever be as fascinating as tomorrow's because you then have portions of both fan bases. We'll start with the jets. There are a lot of them that as well want to see the jets win tomorrow because you root for your team to win. You can never root for them to lose. There is no tank in this team, even though the jets were born to tank, uh, they want to see Belichick go out a loser. They don't want to see him get one final dub against the Jets after you know him going thirty-eight and eleven against them over the course of his tenure with the Patriots. Then you get a portion of the fan base that's like, yeah, but I also, uh, you know, like I don't want to see the Patriots lose. I don't want the Jets to win because if that bumps the Patriots up into the top five or the top four or the top three of the draft, top two. Then they could potentially get the quarterback they want, whoever the next head coach is. And then that guy, see, they're so scarred that they're literally already thinking. They don't know who the next head coach could be. They don't know who the next player personnel guy would be. They don't know who the receivers will be. They don't know who that quarterback will be. They don't know if that quarterback's going to be any good. But they're so scarred, and they've been under spell of the Patriots for so long that a large portion of the Jets fan base doesn't want to see the Jets win tomorrow just because if that helps them get a Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Drake May or whoever the Patriots choose next April, and that person turns into their next uh, torturer, if you will, then they're just going to blame themselves for a stupid win in January. So, And that's just one side of the puzzle tomorrow, how
0: torn and twisted people are. I kind of love it. Uh, smart fans are rooting for their team to lose. That, that's just the reality. If you're a Jets fan, you want to lose, so the Patriots do not get the number two pick in the draft, could fall as low as seven. Um, if you're a Patriots fan... You want your team to lose, so you get that potentially number 2 overall pick and have a shot at one of the three quarterbacks, two quarterbacks, whatever number you want to put on the premier franchise quarterbacks. And I understand the emotion of it, but you got to take a bigger picture uh, view, in my opinion, as a fan. Not as a player. As a player, you step on the field and you do your best for 60 minutes, and where it falls is where it falls. Um, The other thing that I find really interesting in this game, you talk about Belichick a loser and send him home a loser. If he loses this game... He ties the record for both regular season losses with Dan Reeves and Mm -hmm. Jeff Fisher, and he ties the record for most losses, including playoff games, with Tom Landry. It would be his 165th regular season loss, which would tie, as I said, Fisher and Reeves, would be his 178th overall loss, which would tie Tom Landry. So he would become the biggest loser coach in the history of football. Loser. (laughs) But in order, yeah, hey,
3: listen. You know, sometimes you got to crack a lot of eggs, got to break a lot of eggs on the way to making a decent omelet, or in this case, sure. uh, quiche, souffle, uh, uh, frittata, whatever it is that uh, your your egg your egg dish of choice, whatever it is, you still got to break a lot of eggs along the way. So, got to get a lot of losses in or order to get a lot of. just buy the
0: egg beaters in a pre-broken gallon.
3: Oh, that's come on, just that's cheating. Just pour that's, that in there. That's no eggs are cheating.
0: Broken.
3: I've on. never done. They've better. been previously Literally
0: broken. Never. Come on, that's yeah. cheat code. I've never bought uh, them.
3: You'd oh, what a
5: loser!
0: <laughs> Imagine if he's the losingest coach in loser history of loserdom and losing. In I do, his, I losing have season. a
3: feeling, Andy. History is probably not going to remember him as the biggest loser.
0: Probably not. Just something
3: tells me that he's probably going to be remembered for a what few you other those things. Rings, those
0: six rings. I mean, those outweigh How about you? the eight rings.
3: Yeah. I mean, well, granted, two of them didn't come when he was a head coach. Six of them came
0: as a head coach. I don't fall under the oh, he's got eight ring. You get six rings. You're the head coach. That's how we do this around here. We don't give backup quarterback rings. That's what it says on. on the boat. Stupid. Eh, whatever oh, the boat says eight rings. Yes, yeah. and that, which a uh, name the he podcast sold is called Johnson. six rings. Yeah, he we don't it. we don't call our podcast eight rings because we're not celebrating the life of Belichick.
3: We no, celebrate we're not celebrating
2: coordinators.
0: It's about titles as a head coach or a, or a starting quarterback. You don't get the win if you're the backup quarterback. Like I don't. I've never understood that. Jesus, it annoys me. Why am I in a mood today? I yeah I, i'll tell you exactly why
3: like i i'm exhausted because today, it's another guys. day
1: no yeah because it's a day that ends in a Y. mouth
0: punk
3: <laughs> well he met. Ma- whoa see that you wait hold on a second did you just scold him and try to put him in a
0: paternal corner i called him a punk well i'm like wow. twice his age so oh, okay is, is joe joe braverman's a punk Right now, I felt like he was being a bit of a punk. I'm in a mood. I'm fighting people on Twitter who tell me the Patriots will never, ever go to another Super Bowl. What am I going to talk about if Belichick loses his job? The Patriots. I'm sick of this mentality that Bill Belichick is the Patriots. Bill Belichick is not the Patriots. The Patriots existed in the 60s. They went to a title game. They existed in the 70s. They should have gone to a title game. They Mm -hmm. existed in the 80s. They went to the Super Bowl. They existed in the 90s. They went to the Super Bowl with Belichick as an assistant. They go to the Super Bowl every decade or are in line for a title, True contender every decade of their existence. They are not Bill Belichick's team. They are the Patriots, currently owned by Robert Kraft, but he could sell them too. The organization, the football team, the logo, the history, it's bigger than any singular man. And these people that are in Bill We Trusters and like Bill made this team and I'm not even going to root for this team anymore. You my friend Goodbye, are then. not wanted. Exit Patriot Nation stage left because we, as a Patriot nation. Will continue to exist just fine. Thank you very much.
3: Uh, I, I, for one, co-sign on that rant and those feelings. I know you made those clear a few weeks ago on the but Six Rings podcast. People keep saying
0: it. People no, keep I, I, but it But I up, don't like,
3: get no, it. I's
0: gone. It's over. No, nothing. This over. is it's not a college Rambo. football
3: not program not. that came from the absolute dead heaps and uh, that no one had ever heard. We're not talking about like, uh, you know, like Liberty University, and all of a sudden, like someone actually helped them turn the whole program around and he's going nowhere else, so, like, you let him, you know, work his way out. Like, we don't handle professional coaches the way we do these collegiate deities. Sorry, we don't. He's actually, but if anything else, as we've come to learn, uh, and if we're to believe all the stories of, you know, Kraft, and I know Robert Kraft is, uh, people are torn on Robert Kraft's involvement as well in all of this, you know, uh, should he have taken more action years ago when, when? Belichick was ready to move on from Brady. Should he have said, no, Tom is staying here. He's going to retire this way. He sides with the coach. Brady leaves. Supposedly, Belichick tells him that his performance was declining. Oops, all you did was piss off Brady, motivate him, and then he went down and put Tampa on the national stage and brought them to the playoffs three straight years, to the division around two years, and once all the way to up and winning a Super Bowl, Tom's seventh ring. Uh, so now, if the, if the whole entire idea was, hey, I've convinced Robert Kraft that I'll be able to turn the program around, and things will, be, and you know, everything is gonna, everything's gonna make a ton of sense uh, in just a couple of years. Let me just put it together for you, and I'll show you. And this is what you've got: you've got an offensive coordinator who's frustrated and doesn't feel like he was given the tools, the personnel, and the authority he needed to help turn the program around. You've battered and bruised your supposed franchise quarterback to a point where he's just an absolute huddle of his former self and may not be good to play. He's Chuck Knobloch, the quarterback, and he's not going to be ready to play again in the league anytime soon uh, or he's going to need a massive rebuild and reclamation. Uh, you've got an offensive line coach who left halfway through the year because he was sick. If that's uh, I, that's what we are to believe and I'm not going to question those reports but I hear in this piece from Callahan and Kide that the offensive line coach is yelling out loud, having a shouting match with the pro player personnel dude, Matt Gro who some believe is not qualified to do the job uh, because they didn't give him adequate tools to work with. You and I were shouting from the rooftops the same thing all the way back in March, a month and a half before the draft. If guys like you and I, who are just a bunch of keyboard warriors who also have a couple of decorations in their fan caves and have watched a couple few games and choked down a couple hot dogs and beers at a tailgate before Andy, if we're saying the same thing that other people that know the game and live the game and inhabit the game and are greats of the game are saying, then if your coach and your, your pro player personnel guys are ignoring it, it, obviously they've got a different agenda or they're just tuned out and it's time for change. Like, I, I, why, do you, why, why do I almost feel like I have to apologize to say, I love Bill Belichick, but I think the team, even though they're not going to immediately be better, the team will be better in the long run if they just make a change now.
0: Because, and, and now I really mean it, you people... The monster that you and the Jerry Thorntons of the world and the Pink Hat fan base created well, is, is out hats. of control. You guys are a lot like Mike Tomlin. when He created a monster named Antonio Brown and then he lost We've control We've never of lost? No. You created a monster <laughs> that you lost control of. You created a monster of a fan base that you lost control of, where reality no longer exists, where objectivity no longer exists, where it's some wall you stand on, and anybody who dares to critique anything that goes on inside those borders is blasphemous and should be shot down and stricken down and canceled from the culture that's the world you built no It's one like looks McCarthyism. At anything reason yes nobody looks at anything with any reason in patriot nation or i shouldn't say no one but a, a big portion of the 2000s and 2010s fan base the pink hatters the new agers look mm-hmm. at it in a certain way and i I do blame, and you should take pride in this because I'm giving you some import in your existence over the last two decades, but you and the Jerry Thorntons of the world built this fan base that can't look at things objectively, or maybe they're over-emotional and too emotionally attached. I don't know exactly what it is, but I had actually somebody say to me, um, a very passionate Patriots fan, not a season ticket holder, but goes three times a year, let's say four times a year to home games. That's a dedicated, Um, that's a diehard. And is very passionate and said, I don't know how I'm going to feel if I'm going to be able to root for them as passionately next year with Bill gone. Bill built them. Bill built them Patriot Place. Bill did this. Bill did that. And I said, you know that Bill Belichick was toxic when Robert Kraft gave him the chance? That people thought Robert was a boob for taking this guy on in 2000 and trading for this guy. You can go back and find all the... Ian O'Connor, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Mannix, duplicitous pawns, like Don't
2: see it. Yep, Yeah.
0: They all hated the idea, and Robert took a shot at him. So Robert put himself out there to give Bill Belichick a shot. And guess what? The return on investment was more than Robert could have ever imagined, the thing that Bill and Tom Brady gave him and built him. But also remember, he didn't build Gillette Stadium because Gillette Stadium was already being built. Gillette Stadium yes. was under construction. It was in the background when you look at those old pictures of 01 and CMGI
3: and Field, yes. it was to be called. So long before well, Bill, it was they called.
0: were called, the Revs yes. played at CMGI Field. The media football game was held at CMGI Field, and so CMGI went uh, belly up.
3: Yeah, exactly. My first job I ever had for the Patriots, the reason why I had season tickets to the 2001 season uh, and quite a fateful season it was. The reason why I was at the Mo Lewis game, the reason why I saw Brady's first win as a starter against the Colts, the famous Brian Cox depleting Jerome Payton game, the reason why I saw them play the Rams over that Thanksgiving weekend, which was the loss where Mike Martz said, That's a good football team. Don't be surprised if we see them again. Spoiler alert, you did! is because I was actually, I was at the time hosting a video. For craft sports on the building of CMGI Field, and when CMGI went belly up and they lost their sponsor name, they deep six the video where those tapes are. God only knows. Um, so I remember it very well, Andy. A lot of people, but for it's been so long, and there's been so much success that at first, like my kids, the younger ones, the ones who don't they know of Belichick, but they like my kids uh, used to just literally look at the Flying Elvis and say Tom Brady so they just so clearly associated because he was always there and that was always on TV and dad always had his stuff on and blah 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 and now it's it's like people are holding on to they're clinging to the last elements of the dynasty the last thing they're so afraid of being irrelevant again of never having it the way we did like sometimes you're just as never cool as you were in high school or college or your 20s it doesn't mean you go completely irrelevant it doesn't mean you fall entirely off the map it doesn't mean that there aren't good times to be had before but you have to like touch the bottom again to be able to climb to, and then reappreciate what life is like on the top. And if you want to trot Bill Belichick out there to coach well into his eighties, go ahead. That's fine as well. Does the man deserve, in some way, shape, or form, the right to help? Uh, the right to have a, a graceful exit? To a degree, yes. But when you put your stones, your reputation, and the job itself on the block by making decisions like he has. He is not just been the coach. He's been the everything for the Patriots, and everything is not working right now. And that's why this meeting that's coming up this week, if you believe things will be decided at the meeting, are so pivotal. Or if, like myself and Andy, you believe that is a tad more procedural and things have already been decided and they're just going to discuss whether Belichick continues or Belichick is done entirely. I happen to be Camp Bill Belichick retires. I know Andy is Camp Belichick coaches elsewhere. And then some people that are lined up on the phone right now at 617-779-7937 are Camp Belichick stays. Let's hear from them. Let's hear from you. Let's hear from everyone. When we come back, it is a pre-Patriots finale edition on a cold and wintry Saturday. Fitzy and Hart on WEI. I,
1: w- I would put it in my personal opinion and, and guess. This is Andrew Callahan. Guessing, no, reporting behind this is, is less than 50. Like, I think it's more likely than not. Bill Belichick is gone after the season, mutual parting of the ways. Again, there are people on staff that I know who were making plans for next season back in October. One of them has already left, like whether or not Ross Douglas is planning or that, I don't know. But that says everything you need to. And here's, here's the thing I want to get across, because I go to those sources all across the building and just say, look, my job is to talk about you and get it right. And the best way for me to do this is to talk to you first and get your perspective. So set me straight. And that's where all this reporting comes from. Guys that wanted their truth heard about this because I've been doing this for a little while now and talking to lots of people. So if they wanted their say, they contributed to this story, and that's how it came out. Not any speculation like I just made about Bill, but real hard reporting on what people told me about what happened and and why this all unraveled the way it did.
3: Friend of the station, friend of the Six Rings pod. And familiar voice at the Belichick pressers and post games, Andrew Callahan. He, alongside the great Doug Kide of the piece this week that pulled the curtain back on just how the operation has gone this season. And I don't think you really like the sausage this year, so chances are you probably don't want to actually see how the sausage was made because it was even uglier than the sausage you were served, folks. That was Callahan yesterday on Jones and Mago with Arkan here on Boston Sports Original, WEEI. Again, Everyone is levying and weighing in with an opinion on how they think things go come tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, and beyond. But people who speak to people inside the walls of one formerly Brady place, people that know exactly what the operation has been like this year, that have experienced it firsthand, kind of help inform our perspective and worldview on this right now. And there's a reason why the the trending thought, like Andrew said, is that Belichick will probably be Dunsky as the head coach of the Patriots is because of the way things have gone this year as well. It's not just, I don't, Andy, do you feel like anyone's carrying an agenda into this weekend or into this week? Like, I don't feel like this is going to be done vengefully or spitefully or like, yeah, you never should have let Brady go. We can't wait to finally get you, Belichick. Like, this is the lump sum of so many things that have in aggregate led to uh, a poor performance from a once great football team and franchise.
0: Yes, I don't believe there's an agenda. Um, I do believe, uh, I struggle with what Andrew just said, mutual parting of the ways. So they haven't met, how can it be possible that they know there will be a mutual parting of the ways? How is that, I, I, I find that impossible because mm-hmm. there is a contract. There is a contract worth tens of millions of dollars Mm-hmm. There's an asset in Bill Belichick with apparently, right. as Josina Anderson says, multiple teams in the NFC South. Maybe Ooh, What would that look like, by the way? Right. But <laughs> so are, are you just, I, I don't really, un- how do you know, how does Bill know that Robert wants to get rid of him? How does Robert know that Bill wants to leave? And how do we know it's going to be an amicable split if nothing has been met and talked about? Are we talking about intermediaries? So is the meeting useless? Has Berge and Jonathan met and they know that it's going to happen, and yet Bill and Robert haven't actually met? Is that the, is this sort of a loophole? A little sort of. Uh, have yeah, they sent they
3: ambassadors have before they meet. Right. Like when, 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 when Grant and Lee met at Appomattox. I, I imagine this is the it was... least timely, <laughs> least timely thing you've ever said. But go ahead. Uh, what civil war references aren't still in? <laughs> Usually, uh, because we rip Andy, you for the because 80s. Andy, there does seem to be a bit of a civil war. And are we not about to make our way to the age of Reconstruction on the Patriots?
0: No, I, there's no civil war. There seems to be a civil divorce, right? Like they're they're they can get along.
3: Oh, I got a do- I got you're a Ryland for that, Joe. You brought up
0: the Civil War. Come on,
3: clean it up. What we? Well, but come on. If you're a fan of Guns and Roses, what we've got here is failure to communicate. I mean, come on. Two. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. it. This show stinks. But you know what? That's do you, it. I do resi- you I resign me? as H of the F and H program. No, you're the F. You're not the H. I'm not the-, the H. No, I'm the H as host. I resign as H. H I resign Hart. as H of the F and H. No, well, that's
0: just confusing because there's an H in the show, so you, it's like the H is <laughs> no kidding. Just an F Give class. him his doink. Um, but do you agree with me that we can't possibly... something's not accurate? Either the mutual parting the ways can't be known right now, or um, they've had more communications than people are reporting.
3: I, I, I mean, honestly, thank God. In a lot of ways, thank God the Patriots aren't trending towards the playoffs because I don't want to get a popsicle headache trying to figure out what the Patriots' postseason solutions would be or what their path would be, Kornacki style. Although I have gotten an ice cream headache listening to Steve Kornacki, Peter Schrager, uh, Dan Graziano, Jeremy yeah. Fowler, everyone else that has tried to explain to me what's going to happen with Belichick, what the path to the pick is. They could get a two if they finish like this, and this happens to this team, and this team defeats that team, and what the strength of schedule is, but they could also end up all the way down at five. And, uh God, yeah, please, I have not just, enjoyed that. I
0: got a lot of things on my mind right now. And they haven't done a great job in simplifying it for me. There was, no. a, there was a point where Peter Schrager tried to, when he said simply, Patriots lose, Falcons win, you have number two. That's, That's it. That's language. all I want to hear. Right. That's my language. You're speaking my language. And then it's like, well, you they can't fall below five. Unless crazy stuff happens, and it's like, well, then they can. (laughs) Like, that's not how analytics and facts and formulas work. Like, run the numbers for me and Mm -hmm. give me it. Give me, give it to me straight, doctor. Give it to me. I'll take a shot of whiskey. Just give it to me straight, doctor. Because if they pick seventh, holy Moses, would that be a disaster?
3: Ah, who knows? Who who knows who's going to be making the pick? Which direction they want to go with the franchise? Who they? Gerard Mayo, Adam
0: Peters will be making the pick. I don't know. Uh, if, that,
3: if you can there. get me Adam Peters, now we are cooking with gas. Folks, uh, not in the know. He is the assistant general manager currently with the San Francisco 49ers who alongside John Lynch has been helping make all the picks the last several years. And, damn, if one team has drafted well, look
0: at that Yeah, roster. they nailed that Trey Lance pick.
3: They also just lost another cornerback. I'm I'm actually concerned for the 49ers in the postseason because, like, they're starting corners. No, they still have Trevarius Ward, but they lost um, – uh, I forget I forget his name. Uh, they lost another one, too. I think an Achilles injury the other day. Like Their depth is getting tested on the back end. But today is not about the 49ers and their postseason no. chances. It is about you, the good people yes. of Patriots Nation, the Foxborough faithful, and the future of your head coach who you have known for almost a quarter century. We go now, Andy, on the phones. Tim is in Natick. Hello, Tim, and good afternoon to you. Tim, Good
5: afternoon, fellas. You know, uh, I'm kind of torn because... Uh, my, my logic and Patriots fan are, are kind of going at each other right now because I want, the, the logic says Patriots need to lose so we can get that higher draft pick. But the Patriots fan, I, I just have a hard time rooting for my team to lose when I'm actually watching the game. You know, I'm still clapping and cheering every great play. But I, personally, uh, I want Belichick back if he's just the head coach. And again, logically, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but as a fan, he's just too good of a coach. Where I don't think we're going to get a better coach. The GM duties he's got to get rid of. Uh, he's he's great at picking defense. He's awful at picking offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I think I, I think I don't think it's going to be amicable. I don't think Bell, I mean, he's been here in New England now, this counting this year, like twenty-four years. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. So. Regardless of of what they they talk about, I don't think he's going to say, "Yeah, all right, you can trade me here. This is where I'll go." I don't. Th- I think he's going to say, "No, I'm staying. You're going to fire me and pay me my money, and then I'll pick where I want to go."
3: Appreciate the call, Tim. Enjoy the rest of the day and and uh, the storm as well. See, there's a there's someone, Andy, who <clears throat> you know is yeah, a Belichick fan and would love to see him return as coach. I just. I can't imagine that if Robert Kraft approaches him on the whole, like, yeah, if we could just have you do everything, stop doing everything you've been doing the last decade and a half. I'm not exactly sure when Belichick stopped having any sort of other advisors or assistant general managers. Like, was Floyd Reese the last guy? Was it Dave Zig Who was the last real, true personnel guy, like GM that worked with him? For who? For Belichick? Like, when? When did? When did the full autonomy that it seems he has now? Oh, when did that? Always, when he arrived. Well, then what in were the room? roles
0: of the Dimitrov's and the Piolis and same the as Zikers. Matt Groh. Oh, actually, I don't know if Matt Groh may have ascended to a slightly higher role, but they all took their cues from Bill Belichick. They all they were all middle management. They all organized the pro and college scouting department, had say, but in the end, it was always Bill, Bel, Bill Belichick. That's been since day one. Yeah. He got Uh, rid of Bobby Greer after Mm -hmm. the first draft because Bobby Greer was here organizing the draft because Bill arrived in February, early February, late Mm -hmm. January, whatever it was. Um, So Bobby Greer was here to organize that first 2000 draft. Then he was let go. Um, Scott Pioli ascended to that right hand man role. Then Nick Casario ascended to that right hand man role. Then Dave Ziegler ascended to the right-hand man role, then Matt Groh ascended to the right-hand man role. The only one I'm not totally sure on is Matt Groh, because Matt Groh might have taken a little more yoke over the collaborative last couple years when he said he's spending the money and he's drafting this. That That's the only part I'm a little um, foggy on, but the rest of the whole time, it was Bill Belichick's show.
1: If you love football, <laughs> this is the place to be.
0: Uh, we do love football, and it has been the
3: place to be just for not winning football in recent years Madden. it's quite unfortunate uh you know did grow get his job because it was al, al gross is it just another fob that's one thing i if the if they do part ways I, I i'm good with the friends of belichick society being a part of it now to what degree there will be some lineage or legacy from the previous coaching regime into the next one that too is up for grabs as well many things are on the table at 617-779-7937 when we come back We'll continue to speculate as to what we exactly think will happen Monday in this week. Are you rooting for the Pats? Are you rooting against them? Where would Bill go next? We'll also discuss Matthew Slater and other possible farewells that you could be saying to favorite players and potential free agents at the end of it. And then, of course, we'll wrap up with more thoughts and your calls before we pass the baton at 2 o'clock. It's Fitzy and Hart on a pre-winter storm Saturday here on WEEI.